You found The Paul List, a daily comics analysis podcast. It's daily so that we can read widely, and it's analysis so we can dig deep. We're making the case for many different ways to study comics. I'm Paul. I'm an English teacher. I'm a literacy researcher, and I'm a comics reader. I'm on Twitter at Tuplai, T-W-O-P-L-A-I. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me also at Tuplai at gmail.com. Um, as always, visuals and links are at thepaullist.com. You can listen on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. Uh, please rate and review. Uh, man, I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> Would love to hear what you like and also what you don't. Today is our Monday Marvel. Our comic is Doctor Strange number 11 by Jason Aaron, Kevin Nolan, Leonardo Romero, and Jordi Belair. And um, let's dig deep. So this is the 11th issue of... Um, the current run of Doctor Strange, which has been written by Jason Aaron and um, drawn by um, Chris Bacciallo. And, um, you know, issue 11 means that we're nearing the for the end of the first year of what I have to say is probably one of the, the best two or three um, monthly superhero comics going now, um, in my opinion. And um, there's been a really powerful um, thematic uh, center of gravity that um, Jason Aaron and company and uh, Chris Pachalo have uh, illustrated and fleshed out and told through some very exhilarating storytelling in the two arcs that have run up to this book. And um, I think this book is a reminder that um, superhero comics have to reckon with the back costs of all the blood and labor and pain that lies in the backdrop of the stories that we tell. Um, they've been building on the theme that magic uh, exact, exacts a cost, and that's not just uh, something about magic, I think, but it's also about our our, our flights of fancy and our notions of of power, um, and uh, and sometimes even of of um, of revenge. So, <laughs> you know, I think what's really great about superhero comics is that um, it's a really unique form of of long form, you know, s- storytelling. Um, and what's great about long form superhero storytelling when not being controlled or or interrupted by you know events or editorial mandates is that a, a really good writer one like Jason Aaron has the ability to um, to write according to the rhythms of, of of storytelling in a way that is very satisfying and so in the in the first 11 issues of um, Doctor Strange that we've been able to um, read and follow this take by um, you know, by by Aaron, uh, count on Jason Aaron, especially these days, which I, I really think um, you know we're we're looking at um, somebody to rival any superhero comics writer in history. Um, but what he's done with Doctor Strange in these days is to have, as I said before, a sort of thematic center of gravity that's compelled the story so far. Um, I am going to get into some spoilers, um, and uh, you know, you have been warned. And uh, if you haven't read the Doctor Strange books. Um, up to and including 11, I think you really should. Um, as I said, to me, one of the top superhero comics running right now. And I, I, I got to say that a part of that is probably that um, the book has been uh, left alone to um, to tell its story. Uh, even though Civil War II is um, raging uh, right now within Marvel, uh, Doctor Strange has been wrapped up in a sort of mini grand event of, of his own, uh, one that in, in, sort of has rolled in um the magic 
using characters from throughout the Marvel Universe. Um, and, uh, and I think what we see in issue 11 is, is kind of a quiet issue, a bit of an intermission, um, right after a, a kind of devastating, as I was saying, self-contained event, um, relatively cordoned off from the events of Civil War II. And, um, and in issue 11, we, we kind of witnessed the art of the recoup and, and, and the recap, you know, not just the sort of paragraphs written <laughs> at the start of the comic to let you know, to let you catch up on what's going on. There's a bit of that task being done, um, but it's also a really necessary part of the storytelling rhythm that um, has, that kind of lets Aaron and, and company take a breath. Uh, and one of the ways, <laughs> of course, that we're taking a breath is that the artist, Chris Pachalo, is uh is not on art duties for this book and um and it's good i'm glad that we're getting we're furnishing an art break for the vivacious bachalo because i think his level of um kind of a slick cartoony weirdness um, has been totally pitch perfect for this book uh, i would you know rival it against any comics anywhere right now um and, and that includes in asia and in europe um and throughout the superhero world and, and even outside of it um, Bacalo has a um, a sense of weird and the way that his art has evolved. Uh, he was good already, you know, when he was working with Gaiman and, and, and Death and stuff like that. But, you know, I think what we're seeing in Doctor Strange is a, um, I don't know, a, a, a an evolved uh, tuning where he can um, just be utterly um, defiant of even the page format of um, standard superhero comics and uh, do things in two-page splashes and in... Um, you know, in, in the bleed isn't even an insufficient word for it. There's sort of an explosion of the panels um, in his art. And it's, as I said, pitch perfect for this story where, um, you know, Doctor Strange, uh, especially this iteration, is um, on the outside visibly um, trying to maintain a sense of um, utter control, not just control, but to, to, to of grace. Um, in, as a as a wielder, performer, a sorcerer supreme of magic, um, but meanwhile, you know, surrounding him and bubbling within him and behind closed doors and and <laughs> weird bottles and refrigerators and all kinds of stuff is all kinds of explosive um, dynamite of magic bursting at the seams. Creatures that um, you know in the invisible realm of magic are um, climbing and crawling all over the streets. Um, utterly uh, interrupting our sense of normalcy. And Bacalo's art has just been, um, like I said, pitch perfect in, in, in not only capturing that, but really unleashing it um, without ever becoming uh, indecipherable. So it's been gorgeous. Um, but I think the fill-in artists, uh, that's, that's probably um, too low a term for um, what Kevin Nolan and um, Leonardo Romero bring. Uh, Nolan is great uh, and, and a known quantity. And uh, I think he, um, he brings a certain style that has a, a kind of um, bony, <laughs> can, I say, can I say kind of bony and, and almost anxious quality that is perfect for the scenes that he draws. Uh, you know, he's been involved in some of the covers in this run and stuff and, and, uh, and, and filling in at many stories in different places. And I feel like the editors and Aaron and, and team have picked really the right pages for... Um, for Nolan to bring that kind of anxiety because at the beginning of the story we 
sort of find out this um, untold secret history of Stephen Strange when he's, you know, a surgeon who's first lost his, you know, his use of his hand and his hands in, ex 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 you know, excruciating pain turns at one point to mutant growth hormone, uh, which is the Marvel version of the drug, <laughs> the drug that is the easy way out. Um, and I think this whole story, this whole run has been about the costs, the um, sometimes hidden and invisible costs of the easy way out, that there really is no easy way out. Um, and this little opening, um, you know, a few pages that, that Nolan illustrates with his characteristic kind of, um, uh, you know, I just feel like he's really good at the knitted brow um, and, and by extension, the knitted brow, you know, throughout the entire um, scene. Uh, he he just has uh, you know brought you know sort of brought to bear again if you've forgotten since the last arc ended um, all of the feelings about the monastery full of monks suffering for the sake of Strange's magic you know the the unnamed hairless Asian bodies that are um, make possible this uh, sort of New York hipsterish Stephen Strange doing all these kind of wacky tricks for fun you know that um, there's behind that. Um, this whole, just like, you know, nation of of sufferers. Um, yeah. So I feel like um, in the way that the book is a kind of, um, uh, you know, indirect ethical challenge of our lifestyles of sort of saying, hey, look, we, we like to sort of hang out in this um, Hollywood Manhattan level of... Um, of coolness but um let's let's not forget let's not um take for granted that uh somebody stitches our genes you know that somewhere in the world there's a cost for um this easiness that we uh we walk around with and so um, i feel like nolan's art is sort of perfectly picked to show this um uh as i said anxiety that um that strange tries to uh slickly cover over but but really can't and i think this whole storyline has um has torn away uh some of those those cloths um and so nolan is great for that um i think uh uh i think the other artist is is also very fitting and, and kind of the revelation um i i'd only seen uh, leonardo romero's work in uh, the last days of magic issue that came out sort of between I think issues six and seven of this series um, other than that I didn't know I hadn't known his work but man I, I really love it in this issue there's um, some some serious hints of, of, of Frank Avia and I think that's probably a bit of Jordi Beller's coloring as well but also something in his style that um, I don't know it's it's kind of in vogue I, I see it a little bit in uh, in an artist like Wilfredo Torres doing uh, Jupiter's stuff with Mark Miller legacy circle. I don't know. So one of those Jupiter books had image, um, and, and a little bit in, in artists like Chris Somney or, or Tanchi Zanjik, um, uh, this cleanness, this simplicity that for the pages and the purpose of those pages, uh, of storytelling that are in this issue are, are perfect. Um, and, and if you listen to this podcast, you know that simplicity and cleanness to me is not, um, to me is not mean, uh, that it's easy. Um, you know, all the stuff I've said about Alex Toth and how much goes into making a few spare lines um, tell so much and um, and sort of, you know, proportionally accomplish so much. And these pages and also the pages that he did in the uh, Last Days of Magic uh, book um, reveal that gift for that kind of um, just kind of uh, perfect simplicity. 
um, I like it. I really like Romero's art, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more of what he's going to do. Um, but I think that the um, <laughs> the uh, the as I said, appropriateness of that art style for these pages, you know. Um, this this issue, as I said, is all about the intermission. It's about the break. It's about uh, recollecting the pieces after this sort of catastrophic invasion by the um, empirical uh, and the imperator, <laughs> which was kind of a revenge, right, of science. It was kind of the... Uh, <laughs> I started thinking about it as the law of conservation of matter getting its revenge on the, on the charade of consequence-free magic, you know? And so, you know, you, you kind of see how... Um, strange and this is at really at the root of the character um, which is which is great how strange um is is you know looking for a shortcut you momentarily becomes cyclops in grabbing the mutant growth hormone and sets a pattern that even the sort of mature and heroic strange that we see in the rest of this um uh, the rest of this run um still sort of has not fully reconciled with and and i think what this issue suggests is that he is reconciling with Namely, the fact that you can't uh, shortcut your way through this magic um, is sort of the ultimate, um, both um, you know, in the you know diegetic world, in the fictional world, it's the it's the magic shortcut. You know, wow, so convenient that the character um, magic can um, keep the X Men in limbo <laughs> or purgatory, wherever they are. You know, it's a convenient place for the X Mansion to be. Um, magic is sort of your um, black box, your storytelling black box. Um, but I think Aaron is uh, sensitive to, as a storyteller, to this idea that you know, if we th if we have this um, black box, it's got to be uh, it's got to be exacting a cost. Like I keep saying, you know, uh, you can't have um, nuclear energy without having um, nuclear waste to deal with, and so. Um, uh, you know, and so we're we're sort of walking through with Stephen Strange, you know, both in the memories of of you know how he tried to deal with his hands early on in this sort of recap of the origin story, and in 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 the recouping after all of the um, damage wrought by this uh, in, this empirical invasion, um, that uh, you know recouping this appropriate balance you know there's a sense of this uh, ecology of magic that needs to be restored because you can't just go around practicing your magic um on the backs of uh you know some some somebody suffering somewhere and you know i think that there's uh something really um uh in a good way self-conscious about aaron taking a moment because he's just ripped us through you know 10 issues of this um breakneck storytelling and um sort of massive and, and momentous uh epic storytelling uh and it reminds me a little bit of um his uh his work on thor with isad ribic and how much that sort of tore us through uh you know the death of gods and uh and how you needed these moments of repose and uh in between runs and i think aaron is really uh, acutely sensitive to that as a sort of a meta storytelling near um rhythm and so he's bringing us to this place uh, one of the, one of the ways that this shows up is that um you know after the mutant growth hormone uh flashback of strange there's uh there's uh sort of a visit to to chandu chandu's bar which is kind of um intro introduced in this um you know in the first issue of this doctor strange run as this really kind of delightful you know at first it's just this uh 
it's a hangout bar for magic characters, you know, of course, and it's, of course, it's a, appropriately, it's a bar with no doors. You can only access it by magic. But I, I loved the idea. I loved it when I read it in issue one of, you know, that there's a magic character in every team or in every sort of sub-universe, sub-world of, of um, Marvel. And so there's, of course, got to be some place where all the magic characters get together, you know? <laughs> you actually need some solidarity and community to sustain that aspect of you. You know, you got you, you got to go to a place where everybody knows your name and you have others like you, even if you're in a diverse team, you know, Monday through through Friday, um, fighting <laughs> evil. Uh, you know, I just imagine that the there's like probably a big and tall store for the um, giant character, you know, for Thing and uh, the other giant characters. And then there's like probably a racetrack in the desert for the speedsters to all hang out and talk shop, whatever, you know. And so the magic trope character needs a place to kind of collect together. And that's kind of what the bar was initially. But I think the idea that this, um, I think this is the real sanctum, sanctorum, sanctorum of the magic characters, you know, the place where you can, um, be yourself and, and have community and be with others who are uh, magic-y like you um, has been destroyed and that has kind of symbolic value. It's um, it's so fun and convenient and easy and good storytelling to have a place like this, to, to have, you know, uh, all these magic willing characters get together. But, um, but of course, of course, uh, that um, sanctity has been invaded by this, um, this question that uh, Aaron has you know, um, kind of reeked on the entire um, magic part of the Marvel Universe, which is um, how, how will you pay the cost of um, these checks that you've been writing? And so um, I think that 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 moment, those pages, um, you know, and, and then reconciling with how much it's going to take, you know, as, as Chandu says, it's your job to find out if the old books of magic don't apply anymore, it's time to write some new ones one spell at a time if that's what it takes and then he sort of drags his body <laughs> out of the bar saying this is strange of course i'll do my best john do thanks and then he walks into the wall one spell at a time uh it's so good um hats off to to jason aaron um john do heads off to jason aaron <laughs> uh, but i think it really reminds us that you know um uh strange is dealing with the slow return of magic, you know? Um, and then in the next segment, you see him walking through the streets and then uh, he he's wounded. Uh, and then he walks back to the, um, whatever, his uh, his Sanctum Sanctorum on, on Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village. And, and there's Zelma, who is now the new author. You know, he's gonna have, she's gonna have to be the uh, administrative uh, <laughs> cataloger of all the restoration of magic. And you just get the sense of the tedium of what what needs to be involved, you know, um, and uh, and and it's again reminds you of how much this book is saying. Look, we posed a huge question that had you know catastrophic and enormous consequences, and now this reset involves a slow, a slow work, a slow pro process, um, and then we're taken to another flashback where um, Mordo does a kind of temptation of Christ. Um, scene with Strange in the wilderness offering him the easy way out and um, Strange knows here and again the theme is underlined uh, that magic has to be earned and he has to bear his cross um, and then you kind of see him you know again wounded in his face um, returning and resetting to the to the place where magic is hard where again it has to be earned you know 
you have to get strange has to get back into the gym and so it does a i think it does a really good job of resetting and um and then of course the the last pages of pointing ahead to the next um story arc um I want to applaud Marvel for giving Aaron um, the issue, the sort of freedom to write and the and an issue to breathe. Um, of course, Bachalo gets an issue to rest and catch up, but I think um, you know these aren't just fill-in artists. As I said, these are um, artists that are perfect for the rhythm of what needs to be done when the story is confronting such a big question. And as I kind of said at the top, the question that it confronts is not just one about um, character and. Um, you know, a mechanism like magic in the um, in the comics universe, but also it's a it's kind of I think confronting where uh, we have to realize the costs of our um, fancy, free and footloose <laughs> approach to um, imaginative storytelling. That at some point, uh, you know, there's a back end um, pain that has to be dealt with, um, and I recognize that because I'm uh, you know all the time inhabiting in an, an imaginative universe that, you know, if you do a, um, uh, a kind of certain reading of, of comics, um, by maybe let's say certain British comics writers, you start thinking that you're some magician because you can weave these tales on, on the page. Um, but a, you have to acknowledge the, um, the la- laborious and often under recognized work of the, um, artists and and other people who you employ to create this magic and then b um it exalt also exacts a cost on all of us who read and participate and make these stories come alive and at some point we have to reckon with that cost at some point we have to uh face up to um you know how much it may wound us to some extent (laughs) to live as long as we do in an imaginative world or how much when we um you know when we floss our, um, and I mean floss in the, you know, bragging sense, showing off sense, but when we floss our, um, our, you know, our cool, uh, we, we forget that, uh, somebody somewhere has got to stitch these wallets. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's kind of my take. I think there's a lot more possible dimensions and I don't even know if Aaron intends any of those ones that I named. Um, I do know this, that, um, reading comics to me is, I don't have some mystical theology about about um, how reading comics is some kind of magic or creation of universes. Um, I think there's too much real life around us for us to um, pretend that for a minute. But I do think that um, those of us who do read a lot um, have to regularly sort of check in the way that this issue checks in with a bit of reality, uh, a bit of like, okay, let's uh, come off of our high horses for a minute. Let's, um, you know, regroup and let's recap, and let's recoup, and let's kind of remember that, um, you know, there is a another world going on, <laughs> and, um, and you know, we have dues that we have to pay, yeah, so, um, as I said, I, 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 you know, tip my hat to um, Jason Ayer and Chris Pachalo, to um, Nolan and Romero and Belair, for um, a really great run, and a really good issue, um, and, uh, and tip my hat to Marvel for letting, uh, as I said, these creators do some masterful storytelling uh, with the kinds of story rhythms that um, comics really ought to have that make for really satisfying reading. But I also am listening to them <laughs> in the sense that I need to recognize that, you know, when we get into 
comics as much as we do if we don't regularly check in, uh, put our finger on the pulse, or uh, remind ourselves of the back-end costs of our attention on these imaginative worlds, then we risk um, detaching ourselves. Um, uh, f you know, we, we risk uh, always uh, retreading the easy way out and forgetting to be challenged. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm one who thinks that, um, you know, being challenged uh, in our in our ways of living is uh, is healthy and uh, necessary to become a kid again and to be disoriented again and to have to figure things out again is uh, is good for us. That's Doctor Strange Eleven. <laughs> At least my reading, my exposition. Uh, listen, I'm going to um, release another episode immediately following this, where I'll explain that um, you know, in in some ways. Uh, a reflection of what I just said about Doctor Strange. Um, the Paulist will be taking a bit of a break from daily podcasting. Instead, I'm going to be doing um, just occasional when um, time allows, when when I compelled to buy something that I read, um, at least for three or four weeks, and then we'll reassess from there um, to see if uh, we should, um, uh, you know, uh, reformat, restructure, whatever. Um, actually, the biggest reason is that I have to, as I said, pay those back-end costs and devote a little more time to my research and to my um, my other work. And, uh, and, and I just want to thank you for listening, for supporting, for sharing, for, um, you know, your responses. Um, and I would ask you to just uh, stay tuned um, for when we're back. Um, I'd love your feedback, um, and I'd love for you to, um, to let people know about this podcast. Um, let thoughtful comics readers and, um, you know, people that... Uh, like to think analytically, like to think, um, you know, kind of big picture about comics. Let them know that the Paul List exists and, um, you know, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, let me know on Twitter that you're out there. You can reach me also at tuply at gmail.com. And um, while I'm in this sort of hiatus, this research break, um, it would be great if, um, you know, I could find out that others find this uh, interesting and find this something that, that, um, you know, edifies them and keeps them uh, reading thoughtfully about, you know, reading thoughtfully when they read comics. So that would be great. <laughs> that would be um, awesome. <laughs> All right, that's it. Uh, this has been Doctor Strange number 11, uh, Marvel Comics. Thank you, and let's keep reading.